stargazers, welcome to Seventh House Astrology, where I take any topic that is astrological or related to the topics of love and romance, and I investigate under the lens of Sinistry Astrology, otherwise known as Love or Relationship Astrology. I am your host, Sandra Misek, and I'm so glad that you guys have joined me today. So for this week's topic, I actually decided to go back to the asteroids again. And this time I thought that the asteroid Avesta was actually really quite interesting and quite befitting because um, as we'll dis- discover as we dive into Vesta is that uh, she not only relates to other deeper personal areas in our chart, but she really... Very much like Juno, she really kind of shares sinistry as well, too. Half of her meanings are very sinistry related, uh, both within relationships as well as I actually found out as well as within jobs when I actually tried to do a little bit more of a deep dive in regards to my chart and also when doing more of the research for this week. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive right into Vesta. So just like with um, Pallas and with Juno, Um, I do feel that it's important to take a look at the Roman goddess that uh, Vesta is named after. And, you know, just because, uh, again, with uh, asteroids or also with the planets, a lot of the gods or goddesses that are named or that um, the plants are named after usually have attributes that the planet or the asteroid usually embodies in the chart. You know, like, for example, uh, with Venus was named after the goddess of love, as well as the goddess of um, unions and romance and relationships. Well, um, as as such, with Venus, that usually indicates how attractive we are in our charts or how we view attraction, how we view beauty as well as how we get along in relationships with people, uh, both socially as well as within um, romantic relationships, as well as just also within relationships on the whole. So um, to get into this deep dive with Vesta, we'll start off with her mythology. So um, for those who have read Greco-Roman mythology, you guys will agree with me that Vesta is one of the least well-known goddesses in the Greco-Roman mythology and in that in that pantheon as well. You know, however, even though she was lesser known, you know, compared to Demeter or to Hera or, you know, Juno and Ceres, as well as Athena um, or Pallas, they she was kind of not really well known. You know, they were like really the, the aforementioned goddesses were really high profile. Whereas with Hestia or with Vesta, not really too much of a high profile. However, I feel like even though not of too high profile, she was actually still a very crucial goddess in the regard that her hearth and her fire brought a lot of lifeblood to families across Rome. And actually, as we all come to notice as well, too, she actually, her the fire of Rome, the fires of Rome, she actually was giving the lifeblood to Rome through those fires. But um, basically, she is known as the goddess of the hearth. You know, so Vesta, a uh, uh, Greek equivalent of Hestia. And both were known to be goddess of the hearth and home. So she was known through her fires in the hearth and home to not only unite families together through her fire, but also through her fire and a fire being like a warm, roaring fire, not a fire that's going to destroy and, you know, bring the house down, but, you know, more like a fire that unites families that kind of, you know, brings out a cozy vibe in uh, to a home. She was actually known to purify and protect the home through that fire. So she was very crucial in that regard. And as I'd mentioned earlier, the, the fires of Rome were believed that to be of Vesta's origin as well. And through Vesta's fires in Rome, it meant that Rome had a chance to live and to breathe. And also that, you know, in order to keep Rome alive, that was why a lot of Romans also employed or actually had chosen 
two to six priestesses, both of which were chosen, or many of which that were chosen at very young ages. So like, I think they're chosen around five or six years of age. And um, these priestesses, uh, their main job was to not only keep Rome's fires burning bright and also Vasta's fires burning bright, but also to remain chaste because Vesta was considered one of the virginal goddesses. She, along with Artemis or um, Diana, were considered to be of, you know, virginal status. You know, I think um, with Hestia or with uh, Vesta, she remained virginal in order to give more of uh, to families across Rome and also to give to Rome. So as you guess, these priestesses had to remain chaste for 30 years while also tending to Vesta's fire for 30 years as well, uh, which I'm sorry for those who take a vow of chastity and who've had to take a vow of chastity. I'm not a big sex fan myself, but I do have to say more power to you. Knowing human nature, that's extremely, extremely hard to do. But I mention these priestesses primarily because I feel like the three first attributes are really embodied by their dedication, their work that they had to do for 30 years of their life. Oh, and did I mention too, if these young ladies actually, um, you know, kind of skimped on their vow of chastity, so to speak, they were put to death. And also if they had allowed Vesta's fires to be smothered or if it the flame extinguished in any way, shape or form, they were also put to death, and mainly because, again, um, to you know, abandon the vow of chastity that was a you know kind of like an insult to Vesta, and then also to put out her fires that was even more of an insult to Vesta, and hence the death of Rome was imminent when it came to the, the fires being extinguished. So yeah, it was definitely apparently it was considered to be a great honor. Um, but definitely very high stakes right there. But yeah, the first three uh, things that Vesta, I feel, really um, is what she represents, and this is from Rachel Stewart Haas, is that she definitely represents dedication, commitment, and sacrifice. And seeing the story of these three priestesses, especially having to take a vow of chastity for 30 years, and, you know, making sure that, you know, they dedicated their lives, you know, a good portion of their lives to make sure that Vesta's flames were burning bright. I think it, it was probably, um, you know, came standard that Vesta became their patron goddess um, and probably with their families, Vesta became the patron goddess of that family as well, too, because of the honor that they were bestowed upon them. But I have to say... Um, to take that vow of chastity, that's a huge sacrifice, knowing human nature and knowing sexuality. Um, you know, that's, that's a huge sacrifice. And some people, I, I feel like some people can take that rather well, while others like myself, I would struggle, really, really, really struggle with that one. Um, that's, that would really be a very hard commitment to uphold, but sacrifice wherever Vesta is placed in your chart indicates the level of sacrifice that you're willing to make in your relationships, as well as just within your life in general too. And then the other two forms, again, dedication and commitment, Man with those priestesses, yeah, they had to have that dedication. I, that's why I'd say probably Vesta became their patron goddess because it took that dedication of, hey, this goddess is with me. Hey, this goddess represents me. I need to represent her. I need to be there for her. Um, but in our charts, it usually represents the amount of dedication that we have towards um, our jobs, towards our relationships, you know, how dedicated are we when it comes to that? And also furthermore, the commitment too. are we great with commitment or do we struggle with commitment? And again, um, thus this placement, you know, the, the house, the sign in the chart can indicate that also because Vesta is associated closely with both Virgo and Scorpio. I thought, you know, Scorpio was kind of interesting, but definitely with Virgo, I can understand this one. 
Um, you know, because she's linked with both Mercury as well as Mars and Pluto, the, um, the relationship between those planets can also indicate further how dedicated you are, where, and, you know, if you're not very dedicated, if you're not very committed, what again are some gaps? Um, like say if you have a hard aspect between Vesta and Mercury, what, uh, what does that hard aspect speak of when it comes to that dedication and commitment? And then with that said, um, with that hard aspect, what can you do to fix that hard aspect? Now, for those of you who have a little bit of um, kind of a struggle or a challenge with commitment, um, let me just say I am not judging you. And I thought I would share this because uh, even though I'm an astrology nerd, and even though, you know, I really study astrology to try to help with relationships and also to try to help with self-improvement in my life on a day-to-day basis, I am not perfect myself. And uh, one area, well, when I saw commitment, sacrifice, and dedication, I remembered when I looked at my Vesta placement and also when I reflected on that from my past, I've actually had a struggle with commitment, uh, both in jobs as well as in relationships. And, um, you know, again, I, I, I hear the drawbacks, you know, while many people had mentioned the drawbacks of these things to, to me in my twenties, I didn't always listen. You know, I always thought, you know, lack of commitment was actually taking back power. Um, you know, and like I said, of course, with my vast placement being in Gemini certainly didn't help, um, you know, the lack of commitment, but, um, what ended up happening was that there were times where I would just quit jobs uh, when I just felt like things were not going well. And also there were times with relationships where I would quit relationships too and just kind of, you know, peace out and walk out. And uh, over the years, I've had to like really reevaluate that and really be very mindful of those things. Um, so like I said, for those who struggle with commitment or have been accused of struggling with commitment, um, what I invite you to do, one thing that's worked for me, again, is being more mindful of your motivations. Um, like, as I've mentioned with jobs or with, uh, with relationships, if you feel that something's not going right or something's not going well, you know, take into consideration, be mindful of it. Uh, be mindful of your viewpoints. Like what is making you feel this way? Exactly. You know, for me with relationships, if, if it's like one thing even went slightly askew, that would make me want to, that would make me worry big time as to what the heck I got myself into when it came to that relationship. And um, it would, that would make me want to run. Exactly. But I mean, if it's something like that, where something's going a little bit it's, it's centering left. Um, you know, maybe re-examine that. Do you have a good reason for being a little afraid or do you have a good reason for being a little bit apprehensive of staying in this relationship because it's skewing off a little bit to where you don't want to have it skewed off? Like it's causing some sort of insecurity. Examine that insecurity. Is it coming from a good place? Because sometimes, um, like with, with some of my relationships, it did come from a good place. Um, you know, like with an ex who just recently tried to reach out to me as of this Friday. Um, you know, he was very controlling and he was very manipulative and also very, he held a grudge. He, you know, was very vengeful. And, you know, if I stayed in the relationship, I probably could have been harmed. Good chance of it. And the reason why I'm also still not in a relationship to him, no matter how much he reaches out to me, is he's still very vengeful. He still has not changed and um, still very stubborn and stuck in his ways. So my fear is I could get harmed by that or I can be harmed because of that. Um, And I feel like in any instance where you feel like somebody is ready to harm you or you're in an abusive relationship, yeah, definitely go ahead and make that exit is what I would say. But if it's something like, you know, I, I was in a relationship at 25, it was going very well. 
the guy went off to London and suddenly he forgot all about the little people back at home. You know, um, with that relationship, I regretted breaking it off so quickly because I felt like I really could have waited it out. I really could have like voiced my opinion about the fact of, that he would go radio silent for two to four weeks on end, you know, not contact me because he was so, apparently he was so distracted by London. But, you know, I really could have mentioned some concerns like, hey, contact me. This is not cool that you're forgetting about me or that you're forgetting about your friends back at home. Um, we're starting to worry about you and we're also starting to forget about you, too. Um, it is true when somebody doesn't keep in contact for a while, you do forget about them. But, you know, I really could benefit by expressing that concern and maybe just hanging in there a little bit more. Maybe there could have been more of a better relationship that resulted from that. Maybe something more and better could have happened from that. Um, you know, instead of just saying, oh, you didn't contact your mom. Oh, you didn't contact me for four weeks. And I'm getting mad at that. Oh, peace out. I'm gone. You know, I, I kind of felt a little regretful that I just left so quickly um, at the sign of a little bit of an awry situation. So what I would also advocate is, you know, if it's something that's kind of minor that you can kind of talk it through, um, you can kind of talk it through respectfully with your significant other. I would say stay in that relationship and try to exhaust all efforts. If you are doing all efforts to make the relationship healthy and the other person is just not willing to do that work themselves, then yes, try to find a nice way to leave. But otherwise, maybe just try to see if you can stick it out. And I've had to do the same thing with jobs as well, too. It's like if there's something awry, um, finding constructive ways in order to stick it out and reverse the situations as well. Um, again, if it's irreparable, like my last job um, was where I was getting death and safety threats, that's where it, you know, instead of just peace out, you know, just exit out the door and never, never come back in again. That was where I would just say, you know, let's apply for another job. Let's replace this with another job. And let's see if we can find a more, you know, a way to leave that still leaves the door open a little bit as well. But um, yeah, again, I, I thought I would just share that because like I said, I, I know sometimes podcasters can come across as though, yeah, we're really perfect. We know all this information and you know, I'm going to say for my record, for my own, you know, for my own sake as well, I'm not, I'm certainly not for sure. But aside from mentioning my own personal example, I also wanted to mention the sample chart for this week. Okay, Stargazer. So before I get into Vesta and what this means, particularly for this couple, two things. I'm not a fan of the goat. The goat being Tom Brady. You guys not familiar with Tom Brady? Uh, he's played for the Patriots in the NFL, and he's also now playing for the Buccaneers in the NFL. Um, I'm not a big, you know, expert on football. I don't really care. Um, the reason why I'm not the biggest fan of Tom Brady, of Mr. Brady, two words, deflate and gate. And I don't think I need to say more. I think everybody has come into contact with deflate gate. So that's that. But I know the other thing, too, is I know that Tom Brady and his wife, Giselle Bunchen had just recently divorced. And I know what you guys are thinking. It's like, wait a minute, divorce? You're, 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 you're investigating Vesta when they're divorced. Isn't that, you know, doom and gloom and kind of contradictory to your episode? My answer is no. Um, as I will cover in a future episode on the astrology of divorces... One thing that I do see with divorces is that two people may separate, but that doesn't mean that just because they separate or they, they dissolve the marriage, that doesn't mean that the relationship is dissolved in and of itself. There are many people who are divorced who still stay in either amicable sort of circumstances with their ex, um, mainly because they have children involved. Or sometimes it's just the better thing to do. They're just miserable together, but once they separate, they actually have a closer bond to each other. 
And, and, and very, of course, there are those instances too, where it, when a divorce happens, kind of like with my mom, with her first marriage, it was, yeah, deadbolt, make sure you fort knocks your, 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 your whole relationship door because this guy's not coming in. Our divorce is final. I hate this guy. I want nothing to do with him. And that also happens as well. Divorce is tricky and it's very complicated. But I find with Giselle Bündchen and Tom Brady, they were both in a relationship for, you know, in a marriage actually for quite a number of years. So I feel like there are, there were some things, well, there were some things that were kind of trouble spots in the relationship due to their sinistry charts. There were other things that, that did work out and their Vesta placements, believe it or not, were one of those two things or were one of those things. So um, coming back to commitment, sacrifice, and dedication, when it came to both Giselle Bündchen and Tom Brady, well, first off, with Giselle Bündchen, her Vesta placement was not only in cancer, it was also very close. Actually, it was conjunct her Venus placement, um, even though they're both on the descendant line. Um, so it basically in her sixth house, you know, kind of bordering on her seventh house, um, being in cancer, um, also having Venus right next to Vesta, her dedication, her amount of sacrifice was there. I don't know about sacrifice really. When I, uh, mention cancer, I would say dedication, you know, cancerians really, um, like to not only nurture, but they like to be nurtured in return. They not only like to give, they like to be, they like to have people give in return. And the reason why they can have like a tough shell and a tough exterior is to make sure that the people that they are involved with um, are willing to give, you know, are willing to reciprocate their love back to them. If that, um, if that makes sense. But with uh, Giselle Bündchen, that was definitely the case. Um, she was definitely looking for a relationship where she could not only give her heart very freely to the one that she loved, but also making sure that that person in turn gave right back and gave lots of love and lots of attention and lots of adoration back. For Tom Brady, when it came to his Vesta placement, he actually was in a prime. His Vesta placement was in his prime because, again, Vesta rules both over Virgo as well as Scorpio. So his Vesta placement was in Virgo. Or actually, I don't want to say was, but is in Virgo. So definitely that level of sacrifice. And with Virgos, I always see sacrifice coming into play. Um, you know, they rule the sixth house. Uh, they also just have that nature of they want to give back to their community. They want to give to everybody around them. They want to like, you know, hold off and stab off their own needs in order to really be there in a relationship for others. Um, you know, with Tom Brady, with his Vesta placement, it's also conjunct his Mercury placement in Virgo. And, um, you know, he's very, when it comes to his sacrifice, he's very verbal about it. You know, he doesn't just sacrifice for his team. He's not only just a great team player. And you can kind of see this not only you, you can kind of see this not only with when he's played for the Patriots, but also now for the Buccaneers. He really sacrifices to where he is like, you know, group almost like in group think with the team that he's in, that he's like enmeshed. He's a part of that team. And, you know, with that team, there's no trash talking that team in front of him because that is part of him. And, you know, to be a part of that team is to be a part of him. And again, he's there for his cohorts. He's there for the team in general, but also in the relationship. I'm sure he made a lot of sacrifices for Giselle Bündchen. Uh, good chance because he fell head over heels with her. You know, his sun and moon placements really indicate that. Uh, uh, Leo sun with the moon in Aries, definitely somebody who has lots of ambition. Definitely someone who, if he has an idea, he wants to make that a reality, whether it's for the team that he's playing for or whether that's for the relationship. But I'm sure he took one look at Giselle Bunch and, and fell head over heels for her. Um, I think the reason why he verbalizes uh, dedication and also sacrifice a lot is because of Giselle Bunch. And on the other hand, 
her sun is in Leo, but her moon is in Scorpio. Um, so already right there, even though they're two Leos, um, I find that Leos with um, moon and Scorpio, first off, we have two fixed signs. They're both fixated on power. And they're fixated on leadership, even though they're in two different ways. And I find that also those who have a Scorpio moon are either usually very intensely, intensely emotional and also intensely, intensely demanding. You got to think of it this way. Matahari had the same placement, Sun and Leo, Moon and Scorpio. So um, I would say that with Tom Brady, he probably had to vocalize a lot in the relationship that he made a lot of sacrifices because sometimes with Giselle Bunchen, sometimes it would be noticed being of a high, the high profile personality that she is. Sometimes I don't think it was always noticed. And sometimes I think she also held the lack of notice with a lot of reserve and a lot of like a, within that hard shell again. So I think that was, you know, both, you know, the Vesta placements were both to their benefit, as well as I could see where they're, you know, along with other aspects of their charts, where it could be a little bit of a drawback. Now, this is a surface look. This is not a complete comprehensive look. I'm sure there's many other things that I'm not um, encompassing in this episode, but I just thought that was interesting that both their Vesta placements were actually something that worked for them and dedication sacrifice and, you know, really just being there in the relationship, I think was really very keen for the two of them. Rachel Stewart Haas mentioned one last little thing um, that was really interesting about Vesta. And that is that when she pops up in your chart, she reveals a very strong feminine side in a woman. And then I think she gave the example of the owner of Virgin Records, where in a man's chart, a very strong Vesta placement. So Vesta either in Scorpio or in Virgo or on the Ascendant, like either on the Ascendant, the IC, the Descendant, and the Midheaven. Um, usually that guy is surrounded by women. Now, one thing that I do have to say with um, the men who are surrounded by women, you know, um, I'd have to say, again, take a look at the placement between your Mercury placement or your Mars and Pluto placements. Um, just in case this guy, yeah, he may be surrounded by women, but he might be surrounded by women in order to try to extort and control them. Kind of like Jamie Foxx's character in Dream Girls. You know, he grew up with two sisters. He was surrounded by at least four women in his life. Um, but his character was mainly focused on controlling and extorting the women in his life, in his professional life, as opposed to promoting them. I wouldn't be surprised if his chart were to be read or if his chart were to be placed, maybe like a hard aspect between Vesta and Pluto in that regard. But with a lot of guys who have Vesta in a prominent place, again, I always just say, try to make sure you're not extorting women. But yeah, definitely surrounded by women maybe may adopt their viewpoints and maybe, again, valuing women a bit better. I say maybe because, again, it just depends on, you know, again, the aspects to Mercury. If it's in an easy aspect to Mercury, Pluto, and Mars, then yes, I'm sure this, this is a guy who very much values men. If it's in a, you know, a squared aspect, not so much. So, um, but yeah, I think Rachel Stewart Haas mentioned the guy who owns Virgin Records and, um, you know, how he, you know, and then it turned into a Virgin Mobile and then Virgin Cruise, a cruise ship. Um, but I think he was also surrounded by women the majority of his life as well. And his Vesta placement mentions that and kind of indicates that. According to Llewellyn.com, in their article, their wonderful article, by the way, um, it's basically entitled Palace, Juno, and Vesta, the Three Jewels in Your Astrology Chart. Uh, author really is awesome, an awesome author. The article is really great in the regard that goes into a lot of great detail, um, a lot of soul-searching detail when it comes to the asteroids. But one way in which Vesta is a jewel in our chart is again, it not only indicates how we feel about home and family, so that relates to the goddess of Vesta, goddess of home and hearth. 
but also it represents the eternal flame inside of us. It's that flame that actually helps us through our darkest days. It's that flame that kindles our soul. Basically, I would say this eternal flame is our soul. It's like it's it's an indication in our charts of where our soul lies and what its main, you know, main goal is. What what keeps that soul, that fire going, what keeps it, you know, you know, burning and burning bright inside of us, as opposed to what extinguishes it. Stargazers, I have to be honest with you. Um, last week and a half, I um I don't know what prompted me to do this. I think sometimes, you know, being a Leo myself, I'm a little vain. But I went on to pinkmirror.com. I think I was looking at something else, like why do I feel so ugly? And pinkmirror.com came up. This is a site where you can like um, you know, submit your picture and then they rate your attractiveness. I remembered in that same day, I got a rating where I was deemed as being either plain or ugly. And I'm going to be honest with you, that that did extinguish a little bit of my flame in my own heart. I almost cried that day. You know, I'm a, I'm a full grown woman. I almost cried that day until I like took a meditative walk and I started to realize it's like, you know, this is a dark magic machine, especially if they have bots trying to indicate attractiveness. And it is, it's AI indicating attractiveness and level of that. And I also just thought to myself, how many people have maybe like, you know, committed suicide over not being deemed attractive enough or not making a perfect 10 on the attractive scale. But the reason why I mentioned this and pulling it back into Vesta was, you know, I actually had to realize it's like, not only is this a dark magic machine, you know, pinkmirror.com, but also, um, I feel like kind of like with Anne Boleyn or kind of like with Cleopatra, these were ladies who made history and they made history not on their looks alone because they weren't deemed, uh, you know, even though the media has tried to make these historical figures like, you know, absolute outstanding beauties, they were not beautiful. Um, they were actually deemed as being either unconventionally beautiful. Actually, they weren't even deemed beautiful at all. They're deemed as being ugly or plain and not really impressive, uh, especially with Anne Boleyn. There were lots of accounts where a lot of people were like, yeah, not really impressed with her and, you know, made up a lot of accounts as to how she was ugly for that time. And Cleopatra, take a, I would say, take a look at an old Roman coin with her face on it. Again, not a classical. She was Elizabeth Taylor. She was not. Um, but what stood out for me with these two ladies was that they made history you know, with Cleopatra, she had an enchanting wit and she knew a lot of strategy and a lot of naval and logistical type of skills, which really, I would say that's what made her attractive and an outstanding beauty, especially with her wit. Apparently a lot of people, like a lot of Romans had mentioned that it was almost enchanting or bewitching when it came to her wit. So, you know, it was her personality. It was her inner flame. It was her Vesta placement that made her the enchanting beauty that we come to associate to this day. The same with Anne Boleyn. Um, you know, even though there's so many accounts as to how she won the heart of Henry VIII, I feel like one way in which she did was that she was ambitious. She was very clever. Um, she was actually very smart and, you know, also bred, I, I think she was bred, you know, she was bred in the schools of France at that time, learned a lot more than a lot of English ladies did back in that day. So she was actually given like a, a superior education and she utilized that. So again, her inner flame, her Vesta placement was also something that made her, you know, outstanding and enchanting and beautiful. Also her dedication to her country I think really stood out as well too. But like I said, made her the, the, the beauty that she is or as beautiful as Natalie Dormer is in the Tudors. So my only point to this is, um, you know, again, I had to reassess. It's like, you know, my inner flame could be the source of my beauty and how to make that inner flame shine bright to not only help my beauty to shine out, 
but also how to inspire others to do the same. And I feel like that also can be a great meaning to Vesta. I know it took me a long time to get to that point, but I did get there. So yay. <laughs> um, but I think really more than anything, it, it's that that soul that really sparks us, that that motivation. And I find in relationships, that's really where dreams, goals, and aspirations are brought up in the relationship. And of course, how well the Vesta placements are in the relationship are how well they're respected and how not so well placed are how they're not so well respected. For Giselle Bunchen, her inner flame, you know, so first off, her Vesta placement was mainly in the sixth house, even though it's like kind of coming up towards the seventh house. Um, but being in the sixth house, again, that's dedication towards, you know, her coworkers, dedication towards um, the people that she works with, you know, like promoting the photographer that she's modeled for, uh, promoting her other, the other models that she's with, as well as herself. I mean, it's like not just, you know, she's promoting herself, but it's not just about her. It's about the people who are around her um, that really drives her. I also think too, because um, Virgo also rules the sixth house, um, that really, you know, again, that sense of sacrifice. I think she also sacrificed a lot for the relationship with Tom Brady. Um, you know, again, you know, even though she was looking for being nurtured, being cared for in return, um, in her most innermost, most depths of her soul, what really burned bright was to also sacrifice to also, I think, you know, for her sacrifice felt good. Um, you know, sacrifice really brought a lot of lessons. And I kind of feel like sometimes with somebody who has a vast placement in the sixth house, they might be giving a lot, like a little too much and not really focusing on how to give to themselves in return. But I think what really helped her to burn, you know, her fire to burn bright was that sense of giving to that relationship, that sense of being there for her husband as well, you know, being her husband's biggest cheerleader. Uh, when it came to the relationship and likewise with Tom Brady, um, you know, again, uh, again, you know, Vesta and Virgo also in the 11th house, I think what caused him to shine bright, his fires to shine bright, his dedication to his team, his dedication to his wife, the sacrifices that he would make. Again, he's another one who I feel like, Especially when I see him with, uh, when I've seen him with the Patriots, now when I see him with the Buccaneers, it's like he kind of enmeshes himself with a team that you can't really distinguish Tom Brady from the team. So I feel like he gives a lot and he sacrifices a lot in turn. And I feel like he could kind of give to himself a little bit more, not by cheating. Excuse me for having to interject this sort of political, um, you know, this sort of political statement, but not by cheating as with per deflate gate, but you know, um, in other more constructive ways as well. Also having his Vesta placement in the 11th house, I think what burns brightly for him is also socializing, having that element of the social circle, connecting with friends, really bonding with friends, connecting with family, and also having great companionships, great platonic relationships, great friendships as well. Friendships, I feel like he learns from. He It, it just kind of, he thrives off of that. He thrives off of having company in his life. And, you know, that's just what keeps him going every single day. He probably is, you know, kind of enmeshed in the team because he's surrounded by friends or he feels like his, his fellow players might be like friends for him um, or just like really close acquaintances for him um, that he really can, again, you know, learn from and really, you know, have, um, you know, kind of let those fires burn really bright for him, you know, just kind of motivates him every single day, which I thought, again, um, very interesting as well. The last thing that I want to impart about Vesta is really she embodies how we feel when success hits us. And um, I think that that 
really sums up the inner fires with us, you know, with those inner fires burning bright, you know, again, how we feel with success is just how we feel when um, our Vesta placements are healthy, you know, just kind of, we're pumped up, we're, we're moving forward. It, it, it drives us, you know, whatever is successful to us that drives us to move forward. And that drives us to either work harder or to maintain relationships, to maintain stronger relationships as well. Now, other things that, um, that were related to Vesta that I found, um, were very interesting. So Rachel Stewart Haas had mentioned sex. You know, a, a strong Vesta placement indicates good sex between the couple. That could, um, that may have been the case with Giselle Bunchen and Tom Brady. However, I thought that was rather ironic because, you know, uh, Vesta was a virginal goddess. Uh, the priestesses had to maintain a vow of chastity. So I just thought, sex? That doesn't sound like Vesta. But then, you know, considering the inner flame and that the whole meaning of the inner flame, I'm thinking perhaps, you know, what was really meant by sex? Good chemistry. You know, uh, and good chemistry, I don't always feel is sexual in a relationship. I find like good chemistry is just like, if you have ever noticed that you just bond with somebody, you guys don't have to say very many words. You don't have to have very many paragraphs or anything of that nature. You guys just bond and it's just a solid bond between you. That to me is chemistry right there. You know, like um, I see this with a lot of Geminians and Leos or Leos and Geminians and also Aries and Geminians. Um, Aries and Gemini, they don't have to say a lot when it comes to their relationship. They just, they kind of see each other, they meet each other and boom, they have an instantaneous bond. It's, it's just, it's really, you know, an inseparable bond in a way. And that's where I see where chemistry happens. You know, you guys just share similar interests you guys um, have similar values. Your flames burn in a similar way. You know, even though um, according to Panache Desat, uh, uh, actually Oprah on her Super, Super Soul Sunday today had just um, interviewed him. You know, even though he said that we have our own soul blueprint and our own energetic um, markers and they're all different, our, our soul has its own signature. I do find that sometimes when it comes to Vesta and her inner flame, sometimes our flames, they may be unique to us, but they burn similarly. And that may, um, and again, induce good chemistry as well, too. But I think chemistry as well, um, a good relationship, good position would indicate great chemistry between two people and an instant attraction um, at that. And then I also just say uh, how strong your dedication, actually it was advancedastrology.com that mentioned how strong your dedication is between each other is also represented by Vesta. You know, again, with dedication and commitment. And then I also um, had added how well, so with that inner fire again, um, that's our dreams, our goals, our ambitions, our soul, and how well that's honored in the relationship. I think it's Dr. Jonathan Decker of Cinema Therapy states that a healthy relationship is, it's not just about my dreams. It's not just about my goals. It's not just about my ambitions and, you know, what I see in the future. And I think he mentioned this with um, his critique of Mar the movie Marriage Story. Um, if you guys have not checked out Cinema Therapy, definitely do so. It's a great YouTube channel. It's basically where Alan Seawright and Jonathan, Dr. Jonathan Decker basically analyze, psychoanalyze a, uh, a film together. They not only make a film critique, but they also, uh, Dr. Jonathan Decker kind of analyzes the relationships that are featured in different movies. And it's, it's a fascinating, fascinating channel. Um, I, I, it's one of my personal favorites. So definitely check them out. But um, one thing that I mentioned with his critique and marriage story was it's not just about one person's needs, one person's goals. You know, a great healthy relationship is that you embody both people's goals, both people's needs, both people's wants as well. And, you know, not just wants in the relationship, the long-term wants, um, such as in with marriage story, Scarlett Johansson's character 
she wanted to go off into film where I, I believe that was the case. I'm sorry. I'm not too familiar with the, it's not too much of an expert on marriage story either, but she wanted to do a different venture in the realm of theater. And Adam driver's character kept seeing like how that related to him, you know, he's kind of narcissistic in the relationship and seeing how that related to him, see how that related to his needs, his wants, and also his career ambitions in the same field and hence why the relationship did not really work out in the film. Um, but again, um, you know, I think with Vesta, it's how, you know, in an easy placement, it's how we value each other's dreams and goals. I'd say that with Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen, you know, just their Vesta placements alone, I think they did, you know, kind of respect each other in their respective fields. Um, you know, even though they're two Leos and Leos, two Leos can be very egocentric at times. Um, I have seen where Giselle Bunchen is really very supportive of Tom Brady. And I had also seen where Tom Brady, vice versa, where he was very supportive of Giselle Bunchen's um, modeling career as well. I think with Giselle Bunchen, she was actually very dedicated to Tom Brady to where she was, like I said, his biggest cheerleader. And especially when he played for the Patriots, making sure that um, I think she tried to make sure that she was inspiring him enough to play his best and also really, you know, cheering the team on as much as she possibly could. Unfortunately, I did hear accounts that there were times where she went a little too far. And I think that that's where the Leo Sun Scorpio Moon would come into play there, especially that Scorpio Moon where the dedication would kind of pump in and maybe give a little too much of a pep talk or give a little too much of a bad mouth of another team to where with Tom Brady, it didn't always agree with him. And especially since, you know, his best placement is always about giving, you know, also in giving, he may not, he may be in opposition to a particular team, but also making sure that he respects that team and having a wife who's bad mouthing that team in turn doesn't really work out for the, the relationship. But anyway, Stargazers, I just hope that um, this was a great informative episode on Vesta, as well as on Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen. Um, I, again, it's, it's always a joy to kind of share something new and to share something refreshing with you guys. Um, above all, I do have to just say, continue to look up at the stars. We are actually dealing with a waning moon at this time. You know, we're going to be coming up to a new moon here pretty soon. I think that's going to be at the end of this week. So uh, definitely the sky is still being illuminated by the moon, but uh, kind of getting lesser and lesser by the day. Also, to those of you who are celebrating Hanukkah, and hopefully I pronounced, I got that hard glottal CH down very well. Um, happy Hanukkah to you guys. And I really hope that your celebrations are safe, that they're filled with lots of fun, Lots of joy, lots of latkes. Oh man, if you've never tasted a latka before, they're they're outstandingly delicious. But latkes, and then there was also um, the pastries involved with the holiday as well. Like they're like donuts that are stuffed with a little bit of fruit in there. I just hope that you guys are enjoying not only the food but the family, the traditions. I just hope that everything is fun. It's safe. It's wonderful. And for those of you who are going to be celebrating Yule, that's also coming up this week. Yule is also known as either Arthurian Albane in the Druid tradition or also um, just, you know, for those of you who are not um, familiar with either one, there's also the winter solstice. I hope that goes well for you. Happy winter solstice to you. And I do hope that it is safe, again, full of fun, full of friends, full of family, good food, good drink, and merriment. And also, um, you know, Christmas is coming up this, uh, you know, towards this week. Uh, we'll be also coming up towards Capricorn. So stay tuned to my next episode on Capricorn. But for those of you who just celebrate Christmas, 
a very happy and Merry Christmas to you as well. Um, again, I do hope that that is also safe and that's filled with lots of good family, lots of good fun, lots of good cheer. Um, this time of the year is a very unique and very um, happy and wonderful time of the year. At least it's supposed to be is how I kind of feel about it. And also for those of you who are celebrating Kwanzaa, I know that is coming up here soon. Happy Kwanzaa. Again, very wonderful well wishes to you as well. Um, and I think the only, I think there's also Openono, happy Openono for you guys as well if you do celebrate it. And again, same wishes. Um, I just hope that everybody stays happy, healthy, safe. Um, and stargazers above all, you know, be careful out there. Mars is still in retrograde. There are people who are still driving recklessly. So especially if you're behind the wheel, be careful out there. Be safe. Be well. And until next week, Stargazers, I will see you then. If you have any questions or comments for Sandra Misek, you can contact her at either Misek, that's M-I-S-E-K, dot Sandra at gmail.com or at her Instagram page, at Sandra.Misek, that's M-I-S-E-K. You can also, for as little as $5 a month, become a member to this podcast. If you become a member, you also get a free Sinistry Astrology reading. Visit patreon.com forward slash 7th house astrology for more details.